So, alhamdulillah, Allah, we are in this world. We thank Allah for being there, but 70, 80 years, and then just take us safely. With afiyat and with a full deen and with goodness. And he's given us Laylatul Qadr anyway. That gives you 70, uh, what is it? Alf uh, Shahr, about 70 years of, uh, which is about a thousand months. Alhamdulillah, that the bonus adds up. Allah make it easy. Allah make it easy. I'm making it sound like the world is a very bad place. It's a difficult place. It's a challenging place, especially nowadays. Right? Allah make it easy though, because He can make it easy. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi hamdan kathiran tayyiban mubarakan fih mubarakan alayh. كما يحب ربنا ويرضى جل جلاله وعم نواله والصلاة والسلام على سيد الحبيب المصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين ما بعد. My dear brothers and sisters and dear friends, this is the month of the Quran, the month of Ramadan. So I'm going to look at a very very important verse. Of the Quran today and try to understand what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us about this. قالوا بلى شهدنا أن تقولوا يوم القيامة إن كنا عن هذا غافلين أو تقولوا إنما أشرك آباؤنا من قبل وكنا ذرية من بعدهم أفتهلكنا بما فعل المبطلون وَكَذَلِكَ نُفَصِّنُ الْآيَاتِ وَلَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ Surah Allah Al-Azim, this is Surah Al-A'raf, verse 172 to 174. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Rum, so Imam Ibn Kathir, when he discusses this verse, Allah, he quotes the verse from Surah Al-Rum, Allah says, فَأَقِمْ وَجْهَكَ لِلدِّينِ حَنِيفًا Direct your face for the deen or, or establish your direction for the deen which is Hanifa in a way that you're pure monotheist. You don't associate anybody with Allah. And then Allah says, Fitratallahi This is the fitra that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created people on. That if you leave people the way they are without corrupting them, they will usually follow one God. And there's multiple examples of this in primitive communities. Uh, even the people of Makkah, they, had, they did shirk, lots of shirk. How many hundreds of idols? They still believed in one God. They just believed that these ones used to take them close to Allah because Allah was too far for them. But that, he was still the great God. Even in India, the Hindus and others that believe in multiple gods, they still believe in the great Lord, Allah. They might call him Om or uh, different uh, uh, names, but there is one Allah. Most believe in one Allah in that sense. They do bits of shirk, but they still believe in Allah to be the highest Lord. So that's the fitr, that's nature. That's nature if you don't corrupt anybody. 
Because Allah then says, لا تبديل لخلق الله There's no changing the creation of Allah. Just like that, unless you force it to change. But the, Allah's creation does not change. Now, Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim, these are two famous hadith uh, compilers. They have a hadith from Abu Hurairah anhu, which gives us a bit more understanding of this. The Prophet said, Every one that's born, every offspring, is born on the fitrah. You might have heard this and people th- uh, usually remember this as, everybody's born Muslim brother. That's why when you embrace Islam afterwards, you revert, you don't convert. And then this argument, is it convert, is it revert? Man, I'm happy whatever it is, just come into Islam, be a revert, be a convert, alhamdulillah. From the fact that you were something else before and you've converted, you're a convert. And from the perspective that you come back to the natural faith, you're a revert. So you're revert and convert. Alhamdulillah. Right? Uh, people really get angry. Why are you calling him convert for? Well, he is a convert like from the last two years, he's convert. He's a revert from you know, his birth time. So they're both right. Okay? Then the Prophet, so what the Prophet actually said is everybody is born on a fitrah. Not that he's born on Islam. He's born on fitrah. What is fitrah? I usually like to translate fitrah as the natural faith. Natural feeling towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In another version, then it adds, um, actually there is another version which says, everyone is born on this millah. The word millah is used. Which could mean this path, this way, this deen. Then, the Prophet ﷺ said, it's the father, the parents, yuhawidani, make them Jewish, yunassiranihi, make them Christian, yumajisanihi, or make them into fire worshippers or magians. And then the Prophet ﷺ explained afterwards uh, using an example of an animal. Then in a hadith of Sahih Muslim, from Iyad ibn Himar, the Prophet ﷺ said, Allah said, Inni khalaqtu ibadi hunafa. I've created my slaves as pure monotheists, meaning believers in one, oneness of Allah. That's how I created them. Naturally, that's what they would incline towards. Fajaatum as shayateen. Fajtalatum. Shaitans come and then they mislead them from their deen. They divert them from their deen. Waharramat alayhim ma ahlaltulahum and they make haram for them. What I have made halal for them. They tell them, oh, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this. Then we've got another hadith, famous hadith from Abu Hurairah. Anhu. He says that the Prophet said that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I told you this in brief already, but I'll explain to you the full hadith. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He created Adam, السلام, the brother who remembers, do you remember the creation of Adam السلام, as well? Okay. That's too early, right? So, listen to this carefully. If you don't understand something, just ask me, okay? You're my go-to person now, right? What's your name? Iqtidar. MashaAllah. So, um, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam salam, He rubbed his back. And from his back came every single person that was going to occur until the Day of Judgment. Now, according to the Mufassir Muqatil, he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rubbed the right hand side 
of the back, and that's Allah knows how best He did that because we don't believe in Allah having physical characteristics, right? Allah rubbed the right hand side, and from it came the progeny people, progeny that were white. They were moving. Then He wiped the left hand side, rubbed the left hand side, and from that came a darker progeny. Again, similar form but darker progeny and Allah said to Adam salam, Adam this is, these are your descendants these are your children and then after that he addressed the progeny in their small miniature forms and he said aren't I your Lord and they said of course then Allah said that these ones that are brighter they are for Jannah with my mercy they are going to be the Ashabul Yameen may Allah make us of them so far, it looks good because we pray and we believe and we come to the masjid. So it looks like, inshallah, we are of them. Right? We should be happy. We should be uh, satisfied with that. Right? So he said that. Then he looked at the ones that were overcast. And he said that these are going to go to hellfire. And I don't care. And these are the people of the left. Meaning these people I know in the future that they're with their free will. They're going to do bad. I've told them the right way, but they're going to refuse to listen. And I know that from the future. That's why it's not that I'm condemning that you can't become good. That's not what it is. It's like, I know this from my foresight, from my foreknowledge, that these guys are going to go to paradise. These guys are going to go to hellfire. May Allah not make us of them. So far, inshallah, it's looking good. Inshallah. Then after that, he put them back. This is interesting. After that, he put them back into Adam salam's back. I don't know what size they were, but mashallah, Allah knows best. He put them back. Now, as it comes time for us, who, uh, for each individual to come into this world, then it goes from the male, uh, it then d divides into the different tribes and communities. And then that's why there's this whole discussion about the Prophet wasallam's seed or light was with Ibrahim salam when he was thrown into the fire. How could Ibrahim salam burn? It was with Nuh salam in the ark, because Nuh salam is the great-great-grandfather. The seed was there. Right? And likewise, then it says, from Abdul Muttalib, it went to Abu Abdullah. And from Abdullah, it went to Amina when she became pregnant. There's multiple uh, narrations that explain that. And then, he was born from Amina, the Prophet So that's how this event happened. And then everybody was put back into the back of Adam. And eventually the hadith says that they'll all come out from the wombs of the mothers. Because that's eventually where the seed goes and fertilizes the egg. And then that's where everybody comes from. Now, there's an interesting narration here Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu relates that you know when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala extracted everybody and he told Adam salam, these are all your progeny these are all your descendants he saw a group among them there was like a group among, among the billions of people imagine there's how many billion people like now right now in the world about 8 billion or something right so imagine how many billions that Adam salam was looking at but he saw a group in there that were very very Illuminated, bright and lit. He says, 
who are these guys? Out of everybody else, they were like, really, you know. Oh, these are the Anbiya. These are the prophets. Pure people. Now, among all the prophets, he saw one who was very, very, very bright. Like, really sparkling. Ashadduhum nuran. He says, who is this? This is Dawood How old is he? Meaning, how old is he going to be? And Ibrahim, uh, Adam Alisam just thought about this then. He's like, come umro. How long life is he going to have? 70 years. Adam Alisam said, that's so short. 70 years. That's so short. I've given him. Like, I've given him. Not like give him. I've given him from my life 40 years. And Adam Alisam's life was, uh, age was going to be 1,000 years. That was the early days. 1,000 years. Somebody died at 200 and something years of age in that time, and they all felt sorry for him. He's died very young because it was long age. Um, I think we're given less age, and I think maybe that's a blessing because it's uh, only 70 years to be safe and then get out of here because the world is a difficult place, especially nowadays. The kind of fitness that we have today, no, no history has ever seen it. You know, like, just think about it. I know there's an opportunity as well, you get, but in terms of the fitna, if you wanted zina 100 years ago, or even 50 years ago, you'd have to go out of your house and find someone. Maybe one person. Maximum two people, you know, or whatever. Now you sit in your house on your phone and you can, in 10 minutes, you can have 20 different partners. Allah save us, Allah protect us. And doing whatever you want them to do. Never in history, never in history you had that kind of variety and access. Like a hundred times or thousand times more option. SubhanAllah. Right? It's just... So, alhamdulillah Allah, we are in this world. We thank Allah for being there, but 70, 80 years. And then just take us safely. With afiyat and with a full deen and with goodness... And he's given us Laylatul Qadr anyway. That gives you 70, uh, what is it? Uh, Alf Shahr, about 70 years of, uh, which is about a thousand months. Alhamdulillah, that the bonus adds up. Allah make it easy. Allah make it easy. I'm making it sound like the world is a very bad place. It's a difficult place. It's a challenging place, especially nowadays. Right? Allah make it easy though, because he can make it easy. Yes, I've given him, four, I've given him 40 years. Now, eventually, uh, when Adam alayhi salam... Uh, carried on living, and he had 40 years left. So he was how old? 960 years old. The Malakul Maut came to take his life. Said, what? I've got 40 years left. Thousand years I'm supposed to get. What's going on? Didn't you give to your son Dawood? Didn't you give him 40 years? Um, I'm not going to give anybody of, I'm not going to give anybody any part of my life. So he said, you see, Adam Alisam forgot. Well, his descendants, they also forget things now. Forgetfulness is part of our life now, right? But anyway, that's an interesting story. Um, so that's why everybody's life is very, very clearly written by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, uh, a few things to understand from here is that there's, 
Allah mentions two things of why He's reminding us of this. He's reminding us so that we don't say that we didn't know about this. And because if you don't know, then why should Allah punish us? If you don't know that Allah is your Lord, how can you get punished? You can only be punished if you know what's the right thing. So in the hereafter, which we're going to have to face when it comes time of our hisab, that's in fact, in fact, it says that, you know, when a person is about to die, when they're in the last breaths, the one thing that happens at that time when you have your last breath is that everything becomes clear. Everything becomes clear. What does that mean? The haq and the batil, the truth and falsehood, everything becomes clear. Right? So as you're dying, as you're breathing the last, coming out of this world, everything becomes clear. So what happens then is that we then, once you know that, you know, it's like you struggled through your exam, you came out of the exam, and there were a few questions which you were unsure about, but you thought you got them right. And as you came out, it just clicked that that was wrong. You can't go back in, can you? Are you going to feel miserable or happy? Why do you feel miserable? Because it just suddenly clicked. It was, this was the correct answer, but I wrote that answer. Okay, we in the world, we can take another exam, but in the hereafter, you can't come back to this life. So you go in a really, really miserable state, and they call that su'ul khatima. That's one expression of the case that he had an evil ending. Because when you die, you are in a miserable state, and of course, what's going to come is worse then. And on the other hand, when you're dying, and you know the people who've had smiles on their face and so on, these are the people who, like, yeah, it clicked, and it was right. Alhamdulillah, I got full marks. You know, that, that, that feeling, Allah Ta'ala give us that feeling on our deathbeds. Again, inshallah, we're on the right track. Inshallah, and Allah keep us on the right track and get us even more stronger. So that's what, that, that's what happens. So Allah says, I don't want you making an excuse. And number two, another big excuse that people make. So this works in a lot of ways. There's a lot of people who have bad character or bad practices or bad culture, cultural practices. So when you tell them that, look, you shouldn't do it this way. Oh, this is in our culture. So what if it's in your culture? Look at what's going on here. Your culture is not that important. I'm not against culture, by the way. I love culture. It's very important. You can't be... In, in fact, uh, nobody can be without a culture. Everybody's got a culture. There's some people who are born in Gujarati, Pakistani, Punjabi, Bangladeshi, uh, Sileti homes. And they don't, like some, they don't like some aspects of their culture. So then they say, uh, I don't want this culture. What do you want then? You're going to have to have some culture. Some people, oh, I don't want to get married to anybody from my culture. Why? Because they come with baggage. They come with certain baggage. So who do you want to marry? Oh, I want to marry from that culture. They also come with a baggage. It's just a different baggage. This one you know, that one you don't know. That's the only difference because everybody has a culture. Like I give you an example, right? On the day of Eid, if somebody says, mine is just Islam, no culture. So I've thought about this for a very long time. That's not really a good way of thinking about it because I'll give you one question, right? You know, in, on the day of Eid, you want to spend it like a Muslim, according to Muslim culture. How would you do it? What would you do on Eid to make it a Muslim cultural Eid? Just, just Islam, like proper Islam and nothing else. You'll wake up in the morning, do Fajr, maybe do some Tahajjud, uh, do Fajr. Then after that, go early to the Musalla for the Eid prayer. 
right? Uh, the takbir, new clothing, perfume, maybe eat something if it's Eid al-Fitr, you know, observe all of the sunnah, right? You'll go, you'll do takbir, and then you'll listen to, salah, uh, you'll listen to khutbah, salat, etc. You'll finish off, you'll meet people. Uh, I mean, meeting people, is that, uh, was, did Prophet Sallallahu do that? On the day of Eid? Did he say Eid Mubarak? No, there was a special dua he said, right? So you're only going to do that, then you're going to come back home, and then you're going to sit all day and what? What after that? What happened after that? Well, the Prophet ﷺ did say that the day of Eid is for eating, drinking, and with the family. How are you going to spend the time with your family? What does the Sharia tell us? That's according to your culture. Whatever your culture does, as long as it's halal culture. Now, culture is very important. You have to have a culture. You're going to pick up some culture. It's just that in this country, we mix our culture. So my culture is very mixed. I'm originally from a Gujarati culture, Gujarati Indian culture, but I have multiple other cultural aspects. Right? Which is, alhamdulillah, that's our new reality. And it's only going to get more and more mixed, which is no problem. What we have to be observant is that every one of our Muslim cultures, Bangladeshi, Punjabi, Gujarati, Somali, uh, Algerian, mashallah, every one of them has some very, very good points that comes from our Islamic aspects. But they also have some bad aspects. You guys are mostly Bangladeshi. Do you, go, do you know any bad aspects of Bangladeshi culture? You don't have to mention them right now, but on the, for example, when you go back to Bangladesh, I go back to India, for example, back to India, as though I come from there. You know, I, if I go to India, you go to Bangladesh, aren't there certain things you frown upon? Right? Do you understand what I'm saying? That's not a problem. You don't throw away your culture because of a few bad things, but you don't stick to your bad culture. Stick to your good culture because there's good things in your culture. All Muslim cultures have good properties. But then they also have some weird things every now and then, especially in like weddings and other weird traditions that you need to use Islam as the criteria and refine our culture accordingly. So now a lot of people say that uh, I can't have, I can't pray five times in the masjid. I only do Jumu'ah in the masjid. Why? Because that's our culture. What do you mean your culture? Well, my dad did that, my uncles do that. Nobody in my family goes to the masjid. They go to work, they come home, they watch TV. Nobody goes to the masjid for Isha prayer on a normal day. They just go for Jumu'ah. That's our culture. And you know why it's so bad? It's because they're going to be, if they did start going, their own people are going to say, Kya kar Like, what are you doing? Sufi ban gaya. You become very religious now. Because they start feeling guilty, so they're going to make a mess of them. In some, culture, in some cultures, in some families, there's no hijab. They don't cover their hair because they've never done so. And one poor girl, now a teenager or a young girl, she gets hidayat, she wants to cover. She find that the, the biggest trouble she has is what her mom's going to say, what her aunties are going to say, what her cousins are going to say. Like, what's wrong with you? That's not part of our culture. What do you mean it's not part of our culture? Uh, my culture is not the first thing. My iman is the first thing because my culture is not going to help me in the hereafter. My culture helps me in this world. But my iman is going to help me in the hereafter. Culture is a beautiful thing. Like if I know that you're from a certain culture and you're coming to my house, I will cook accordingly so that I cater for you. I will treat you accordingly. It's beneficial. Uh, Allah says it in the Quran that uh, so that you can gain recognition of one another. And you can understand. There's nothing wrong with culture. It's just the bad aspects of culture which are a problem. So now, a lot of people, they ask, 
that why did you become a scholar? Why did you be study and why did you choose this path? I usually, first I used to say, oh, because my father is an alim and a hafiz. My uncle is a hafiz. My other uncle is a mufti. My grandfather from both sides are hafiz and one is an alim and, and so on and so forth. He runs in the family, so I'm a... It's not useful for you, is it? If you don't have that, you're going to think, well, it's not useful for you. Well, actually, it is useful for you. I know of families who changed their culture. One family I know, nobody wore, hardly anybody wore hijab in the family. In all of the brothers, and they had like five, six children each, nobody wore hijab. One of them went to study. One of the girls went to study. And she came back, and she wanted to cover properly. It was tough. It was difficult. Because now the men who used to come all the way into the kitchen were prohibited from coming into the kitchen. Before they could just come all the way into the kitchen, talk to anybody they want, because it was just very free mixing like that. Now they couldn't come. Slowly, slowly, nearly everybody wears hijab now in that family. It took about 15 years. 10, 15, 5, 10, 15 years, everybody wears hijab now. Every single son in that family is uh, hafiz of the Quran. It changes. You have to make the change. You be the change. Don't keep saying, oh, it's not in our culture, it's not in my family tradition. You make your family tradition. Uncle here, how many grandchildren you have? Just give me a 10, right? So now look at this. He's got 10 grandchildren, right? 10 grandchildren. From his 10 grandchildren, there's no stopping them now. Okay? There's no stopping them. He'll be gone from this world. We'll be gone. But those 10 will multiply. And they're all his grandchildren. They're not his brother's grandchildren or his sister's grandchildren. They're his grandchildren. So... Change the culture. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, So this is a different example. They're just saying that, oh, our forefathers, they did shirk. They made partners with Allah. And we were just the next generation after them. Are you going to destroy us because of what they did wrong? Well, why did you do wrong then? So, we are, if we're more guided and more particular, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for change and that we want to change it so that inshallah our families can also have all hafiz of the Quran and top people in the world. Successful people in this world, successful people in the hereafter. For that you have to have a vision and you cannot go according. So the biggest lesson from this is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us to go back to our roots and our roots are with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To recognize Him, declare monotheism, oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and stay on the path because Allah then finally ends by saying, That this is the way we make our signs very, very clear so that they will return to the right path. We might have spent 15, 20, 30 years doing wrong, but now we want to do the right thing and we want to make that change. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will help us. And Allah will help us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us tawfiq. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from us. And may Allah bless this month of Ramadan. Uh, the point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized 
lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules. And at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind, you can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.